Luke chapter 1, and we ask for God's blessing on this reading and Glenn's preaching as well. We thank him for the opportunity we have to uh, do this freely. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call him his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called, called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose and went to the, with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. We're going to uh, use... Um, Elizabeth as someone who will help us explore the Advent uh, story this morning. So we're just going to watch this uh, little clip and then we'll go from there. Well, you know spring chicken. <laughs> That's the first thing my neighbor said to me when I told her I was pregnant. Can you believe that? Maybe she just didn't believe me, but I don't, I don't hold it against her. She'd been a tad bit cranky ever since she found that scorpion in her girdle drawer. <laughs> Maybe she just didn't realize what a miracle this was for me. I mean, Zachariah and I had been trying to have a child of our own our whole lives. By the time most of my hair had turned gray and Zachariah's had turned loose, we had given up hope. God. 
<laughs> he seems to delight in making life out of barren places. And as if that wasn't enough, the angel who brought us this unbelievable news had even more to say. This child, our son, would be used by God to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. This was all too much of a gift to be real. And then I thought, well, how am I going to train this child for a job like that? But God had those details covered too. And it keeps getting better. When I was about six months along, my cousin Mary came for a visit. And no sooner had she said hello than this unborn son jumped and flipped inside of me. Right then, God just opened my eyes so that I could clearly see that this young girl standing in my home was also with child, and he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. <laughs> About nine months later, we got the news from Bethlehem. And I looked over at Zachariah holding our very own miracle baby. I had one of those God moments. <laughs> you know, when you just realize, you say, God just had different plans. He had brought us life in barren places. He hadn't forgotten about us. And he would never leave us alone again. couple of weeks out from Christmas as you might be already halfway through uh, your advent calendar. Um, I don't know for you but it has seemed for me this year as I've led into Christmas it all just seems a bit condensed this year. It's only two weeks away. But so today um, I want to focus a little bit on advent Advent's a little bit being condensed for us. We had sort of a children's service last week and uh, we've got a Thanksgiving thing next week. And so this week I want to focus on this idea of, of Advent and use Elizabeth's story uh, to do that. Uh, I think there's something about seeing something like that that just helps you or helps us put ourselves in the story. This is a story that we read year in, year out. We sort of know the names. We know how it works. But sometimes things like this just help us put ourselves into that story and think. And, and that's what I would encourage you to do this year. Put yourself into the place of different people in the story and think about what they would have been going through in that situation, what they would have been feeling, what they would have been experiencing, uh, the highs and lows of the Christmas story for many of them in it. Um, this, is got, uh, this is put together by the Skit Guys, if you know the Skit Guys. I, I really encourage you. There's a whole series of them that they do most Christmas. Um, just Google Skit Guys, the first Christmas, and they just have a number of them uh, that just give you insight into different characters in the story. It's well worth doing. 
So as we think about uh, Advent this year, um, I was captured by Elizabeth's story and, and to a certain extent Mary's story as well. And that, uh, as I think I said in the, in the newsletter, that these two sort of leading ladies of the story uh, have something in common. Uh, they have the, in common uh, miraculous pregnancies. And I think even for most of this sort of part of the story that we just read, that they were pregnant together. Um, and so I'm going to use sort of that idea to um, play with this idea of Advent. So Advent, um, if you look at the meaning of Advent, uh, it means expectant waiting. And so it's a waiting with sort of a sense of hope, with a sense of uh, expectation, of, of joy, of something uh, that is going to come. And uh, if any of you have been pregnant... Um, or being partners of people who have been pregnant, you would know that uh, pregnancy is a little bit like that, uh, that as you sort of go through that sort of nine-month um, stage, that there is this uh, sense of preparation for the birth, um, knowing sort of roughly when it's going to come, but not exactly. Um, and there's a whole lot of stuff that's happening in and around that, all sorts of mixed emotions that come as you're looking forward uh, and expecting uh, the birth of your child. And I think uh, we can play with this idea if you sort of resonate with that or if you can think about what that might be like. Um, I know that with Coralyn and myself, uh, as we went through uh, our boy's pregnancy, there was this um, joy and excitement and hope and longing for what all this would be. Uh, but also, <laughs> alongside that, there was also um, fear, pain, <laughs> discomfort, more for my wife than me, but um, a sense of uncertainty. And I think that sort of, as we um, think about Christmas and this sort of expectant waiting, there's that sort of edge of those, those two things going together. Um, that can be the journey for those. The other journey um, is actually even the journey of becoming pregnant, which was Elizabeth's journey here, wasn't it? And if you've been along that journey of uh, wanting and desiring to become pregnant and each sort of month sort of going along and is it going to happen? And yes, no, no, it's not there this time. Or, and the uncertainty of that the hope of it, the prayer that goes around that. And if you've been uh, trying for a long time or if it's never been able to happen, there's all sorts of doubts that come into your mind, all sorts of fears, um, depression. <laughs> and yet here we have Elizabeth and Zachariah who have probably been praying about this for 30 years. So she was sort of at the point beyond childbearing, so maybe she's sort of in her 60s. If she'd been praying from 20, that might even be more than 30 years. And yet she was still praying. And a sign of uh, trust and faith um, in and amongst that doubt and uncertainty as well. 
I thought it's interesting that sort of played off against Mary's situation, Mary's pregnancy, isn't it? Because she's got the polar opposite. She's got the unexpected pregnancy and she's going to have to deal with what all that means for her and her life and uh, her community as well. Different thoughts of expectations and uh, results of uh, what people are going to think, stigma and innuendo and mixed emotions through that, and yet somehow trusting that God was at work through that situation as well. And so as we uh, come up to Christmas and you think about uh, celebrating the birth of Jesus again, I just want you to think a little bit about what, what sort of emotions are you feeling What's going through your heart and mind as you think about this? What are your circumstances that are going to flavor the way you look at this time of year? How are you preparing and looking forward uh, to Christmas this year? And as I thought about it and uh, go into Christmas again, in some ways as we go into Christmas, it's a, there's, a, there's almost a sense of false sort of waiting for us in this. Because Christmas comes around every year. We celebrate it every year. We know, we know it's going to be the 25th of December and it's sort of that there. And I think, so we do have sort of a, a sense of, well, we know that Jesus was actually born and that he did come and he, he lived amongst us. But this year, as I've uh, already alluded to, um, I've been doing it and I've been talking to others um, about putting the story of Christmas into the big story of God. And understanding uh, now as we look forward to Christmas, we are still looking forward to Jesus coming, but Jesus coming again. He's now lived amongst us, he died, he ascended to heaven, and he has promised that one day he's going to come back again. And so I'm going to encourage you that this Christmas, that you, um, that you look forward to that second coming of Jesus and are you thinking about that? And what sort of expectations, what sort of uh, emotions do you feel when you look at that, that Jesus is coming back again? And he said, when he does that, he's going to establish the new heaven and the new earth. And there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more death. And me and my people will live together in perfection forever. How does that affect the circumstances that you're in today? How does that affect the emotions that you're feeling today because a certain to a certain extent i think that's what we find elizabeth and mary doing they put their situation this into a much bigger picture that helps them uh, deal with the circumstances that are coming their way are we longing for jesus coming again are we praying for it we recognize, I think Romans 8 just sort of was ringing in my head this week, that this idea that uh, creation is groaning as if in the chi- uh, pains of childbirth. And I think we know that in our lives, don't we? The world that we live in is broken and messed up, and it's not the way it should be. And so there is a sense that we long for something better. We long for this return of Christ again. And so uh, this year, as we've been thinking about Christmas, putting it into the big story, um, we've been doing this, uh, we had coffee conversations about God after Cabell Kitchen, and we've been talking to people there. Um, And sort of my theme in that is taking the Christmas story into the big story of God. And we've been talking about, uh, we talked about creation, 
uh, and God's uh, plan for um, him and his people to live together. We talk about how that was broken, how there was this promise of one who was going to come and set it right and that, um, that Christmas is, I don't know, somewhere in the middle and that the end of the story is that Jesus comes again. And that uh, as we think about Christmas this year, that we put it into uh, that big story. That uh, the first coming of Jesus is only one part of the story. And that he is coming a second time again. And uh, as you read through, if you've read through Luke chapter 1 or if you're reading through the Christmas story, which I encourage you to do again and try and ask God to speak to you in different ways as you do that, putting yourself into the people again, hearing what God has to say to you, um, to do what both Mary and Elizabeth do. They put their story, their situations into the big story. And that sort of starts to happen even from the way that they become pregnant. So Zechariah has an encounter with an angel and the angel tells him something about what's going to happen. So straight away you're into a big picture. What's the big picture? That there is a spiritual reality beyond what we can see. That there are angels and there are demons at work in this world and that, uh, that they have supernatural power beyond what we can do. And that as Elizabeth had that encounter, she trusted it. And, uh, oh, sorry, as Zechariah had that encounter, he trusted it, told his wife, and they believed it together. That there were miracles that could happen. Did you hear what the angel said to Mary? That nothing is impossible with God. And so again, as we interact with this Christmas story, as we think about our situations and the things that are happening in our lives, we're reminded of the big story that nothing's impossible with God. And he says, come to me with it. I, I hear, I answer your prayer. I interact with this world. That he hears the answers of your prayer, or he hears your prayer and, and answers them. They're not always answered like Elizabeth's, but he interacts and he answers uh, them. After 30 years, Imagine that, that he comes and he says, and that's what the angel said, they've, they've heard your prayers. I'm doing this because I've heard your prayer. And that this prayer becomes part of the big story of God revealing himself to the world. Because this prayer brings about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is going to be the one that heralds in the Messiah. So what are you praying about this Christmas do you believe and trust in a supernatural God that can intervene in the world that way? In your circumstance, in your situation that you've been thinking about, I encourage you this Christmas, because of the coming of Christ, because of what he achieved in the big story, because of the spirit that comes upon us, because of um, a picture of a, a father God who hears the cries of his children, keep praying. Be persistent in prayer. Trust your father in that. Uh, right through the story, we get lots of words like Abraham and David and Messiah and covenants and Israel. And so straight away, um, if you read the songs that Mary sing and Zechariah sing, the prophecies in there, they're putting this into a big picture story again. That what's happening uh, in their lives right now is part of this big story of God coming to save his people. That he has a promise and a plan to save his people. And... 
in our circumstance, our situations, whatever they are, he is working that into his plan to reveal himself either to you, to your family, to those he puts in your path. Despite what the circumstance may look like or feel like, he says, I'm at work. I'm revealing myself and I've chosen you and your life to do that. We can't understand and comprehend how that all works. I, I, can, I, um, I can't give you the why. God rarely gives people the why or the answer for why. Lots of people in the Bible ask it. It's okay to ask it, but we often get, rarely get the answer of why. And he says, what he does say, he says, trust me. Trust me. I know you. I'll get you through this or I'll change the circumstances or I'll... Um, give you the power to endure. And so uh, the Christmas again put into the big picture of um, creation, Israel, and even now for us who live on the other side of it, um, this promise of uh, Jesus coming again, knowing that the Spirit uh, is someone who will enable us through our weakness. Uh, there's lots of words through these passages about salvation, about people's eyes being opened to recognize that this saviour king who has come will reign forever and that he will gather his people and they will live in paradise with him again. There in amongst this uh, story, there's also um, words of judgment. Samuel actually brings words of judgment and says, don't harden your heart to this story. Don't turn away from God, but keep trusting him, keep believing him, keep uh, walking toward him. Anna, the prophet later on, she speaks about a child who's coming who will work for the redemption of God's people, giving us this big picture that God is at work at saving his people. And we still know that, that after Jesus ascended, that he has now chosen his people, the church, and inhabits us with Christ's spirit so that the world would know that God is at work redeeming the world, saving the world. And we have been given that message to live. And you see that, that message then brings to us the Advent words, doesn't it? This is, this is true, that we are who God says we are and God is who he says he is, then we can have confidence. That's sort of where I think Donna was alluding to that. Joy is not just necessarily happiness, but it's sort of probably a contentment, an inner sense of uh, contentment and strength through it. I think it does represent itself as a smile on your face, that it, despite my circumstance, despite my situation, God is with me in it. And he'll get me through it or he'll change it. <laughs> so to make sense of Christmas this year again, just want you to put it into the big story. Uh, there's not, we don't get it here right in this story, but as I've alluded to already in the rest of Jesus' life and into the New Testament, he sort of unfolds the second sort of half of, uh, of this story and how that's sort of working itself out. And we know that, and I, I was thinking about that. The birth of a baby is not where it ends, is it? I was thinking, you can probably just ask um, Beck and John or Susan and Keith. You know, they did this nine months of looking. But then, then they just realized, oh, shivers, this is just the beginning 
of a journey that's going to bring all sorts of emotions of love and joy and peace beyond compare, but also lots of pain and uncertainty and discomfort as you work out how to do this. And the expectations in this journey uh, are up and down, and, um, but are we looking to it with uh, a security of who we are in Christ? So this Christmas, I encourage you to put it into the big story. So look back and think about those things, but also uh, look forward as well. And that's, it's interesting, that's what the Lord's Supper does to us too, doesn't it? It gets us to look back and think about what Jesus has done, but it also calls about, you know, this is to look forward to the, the supper that we will celebrate with Jesus in heaven. And it puts itself into this big story as well. But as we look forward to Jesus coming again, and like Elizabeth and like Mary, uh, who put uh, their situations into that big story uh, and believed it, and remember these words, that nothing is impossible for God. Uh, and this verse, I think um, Elizabeth mentioned this just before the passage that Jim read. She said, the Lord has done for this for me. He has granted me favor. She recognized the Lord's work uh, in her pregnancy and in her life. Uh, and then she says to Mary, blessed is she who has believed. This idea that God, all God calls us to do is to believe that this is true and real and trust that he is who he says he is and that you are now who he says you are. And that should start to well up joy and peace and hope and love despite what our circumstances might be. Even in the good times, I think, so in the bad times, we remember nothing is possible. Remember that God is the one who is at work, and even in our good times. So uh, there are many of us here who life is going well. And I think this is a call to rem remind ourselves that nothing happens to us without the will of God our Father. So our property investments and stuff like that, not your wisdom, it's because God's ordained that you live in a city where property has gone up or you invested in the right places or he's given you a job. That and again, so again, the big story we put into this big story is God is the one who provides. It's not me. And we turn towards him again. The one who has blessed us with living in this situation, but also given us the responsibility in it. And so blessed are those who believe in this. And again, I say to people, doubt is the seedbed of faith. Doubt drives us to faith. And as the Bible tells us, and people that show, give us examples of how do you deal with that, you pray about it. And you say, God, help me with my unbelief. Help me to believe this. Help me to understand that this is true. Help me to feel that this is true. Help me to know and experience those emotions of love and joy and peace. Holy Spirit, make that real to me. I think I've, I've prayed lots, and if you pick up where I pray, I, I get onto words. The prayer, my, my prayer words this year have been that we would experience the power and presence of God. 
whatever our situations. So the power that he can change it or get us through and the presence that he would comfort us and minister us and serve us in that situation. Like even that sentence that I just said, did you hear what I said? I just said God would serve us in that situation. That's what he's doing. That's what Christmas tells us again, that, that God came from heaven as a servant to serve his people, to empower his people, whatever their circumstance or situations. And I was thinking about <laughs> Mary and Elizabeth's situations and their expectations with their children were sort of notched up a, 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 few, um, a few rungs, weren't they? Because these angels said, well, your son's going to prepare the way for the Messiah and he's going to be, your, your son is going to be the son of God. There's a bit of an expectation there of, um, and, and that clip, I think, picked it up where Elizabeth said, I, was, I didn't know how I was going to train him for that. And did you hear the response that she sort of gave? I thought it was nice insight was, but God had those plans organized as well. And so here's the thing. If you're a believer in Christ, you're a receiver of his Holy Spirit, he has got you pregnant, <laughs> to a certain extent, with love and joy and peace and hope. And he says, now I want you to give that birth into the world. He has a lot of expectation on your life to follow him and to display that to the world. And he says, but I won't, I won't let you do it by yourself. I'll give you the power and the strength to do it. But I want you to trust me in it, whatever your circumstance is. Ask for it. Uh, have my spirit work through you in that. And there we can have this sense of expectant waiting. As we wait for Jesus to come again or for us to die, we can have an expectation of God working in and through us in all situations and all circumstances in our lives. And that we would experience the love, joy, peace and hope and that that would flow out of us into our children, into our spouses, into our work colleagues, our friends, whoever he would put in our paths. You become the vessel of that, empowered by his Holy Spirit. So this Advent, I ask that again, you would put faith that Christmas is true, that it's real and that it will ultimately be fulfilled when Jesus returns again. That we would lift our eyes to the hills and know that our help comes from God. And this verse, the last, one of the last verses in the Bible, Jesus reminds us, he says, Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I'm the beginning and the end of the big story. And you're in the middle of it, and you're my loved ones, and I'm serving you in it. And I was thinking about just that, that clip of Elizabeth and as we just sort of wrap that up, think about that, that verse that we may pray for faith, for trust and obedience, knowing that God has the details of our lives in his hands. That this Christmas, that you may again, as you read the story, ask God, like Elizabeth said in that clip, to open your eyes to see it afresh, to have like, I love the last bit of that clip where she goes, it was just like one of those God moments. I, I, I'm asking and I'm praying for you as a church, for us, that we would have a God moment again this Christmas. 
that we would experience his love and joy and peace and hope in fresh and new and vibrant and expectant ways. And we hear Elizabeth's testimony that he brought life in barren places, that he had never forgotten her for 30 odd years. He had never forgotten her. And that he would never leave us and that he would be Emmanuel, God with us, whatever our situation or circumstance. Let's pray.